Welcome to episode 5 of the All-Time Podcast, season 2, recapping the 2010s. We're halfway through the decade. Already. Already. Um, it was interesting putting this episode together, because when you look at this year, not much to talk about if we want to steer away from Taylor Swift 1989, right? It was a very quiet year. It wasn't, I wouldn't call it a quiet year because it was really good stuff. It just was just very much. It wasn't innovating. Yeah. Versus 2013, that, yeah. 2012, 2011. It, was, it wasn't innovating. It there was, was, you're right, there was some really good stuff that came out. The most innovating things we're, of course, going to cover because there are some really good ones. But it's crazy how this year, in particular, the midway of the decade is. So it's like a calm before the storm. Oh, yeah. Because the years to come are massive. The next couple of years after this are huge. But uh, we don't skip ahead. No, definitely not. So we get it started. Unlike the previous episodes, we are kind of cheating on this, I think. The first great album of 2014 could be very arguable, but we pushed it a bit forward to have a bit more to talk about. Uh, There were a few contenders for the spot. Are you naming them? I'm going to name them real fast. Okay, Saint, cool. Saint Vincent's self-titled album, Saint Vincent, was um, at the time when it released. It was her easiest to. It is her easiest album to listen to, probably till date. And Strange Mercy is is fantastic, but this album went unnoticed at the end of the decade, I'd say, by a lot of people. And Angel Olsen breaks out with "Burn Your Fire for No Witness." Which is not the album we're going to call the first great album of the decade. Um, we're going to give it to... Schoolboy Q, Oxymoron. Absolutely not. <laughs> we're going to give it to... The War on Drugs. Lost in the Dream. Um, last episode, when we did our five, I mentioned Kurt Vile being part of a band. He was a member of the War on Drugs. As Adam Grand du Ciel would record with Kurt Vile for his projects, they would kind of bounce around helping each other out. Uh, but no longer on this album. So, The War on Drugs Lost in a Dream. Pretty big deal of an album. Comes out on March 18th of 2014. And I remember that year being slow for the first two months. It was very quiet. Like I said, the St. Vincent and the Angel Olsen were good albums, but... This album came out, and it was interesting because I said Kurt Vile was great guitar rock. This album pushed that type of music forward for a little while. Mm-hmm. You were hearing them on our radio stations that would cover rock oldies. I'm sure like you were hearing a lot of their single red eyes on a lot of stations elsewhere as well. If We were getting it here. And it was cool to see that for the first time in a long time, we spoke about the Arcade Fires being big. We spoke about other rock bands getting known. But there was something about the War on Drugs, and there is something about the War on Drugs that holds on to this. There's something nostalgic about them. They sound like a time and a... They sound. They don't sound like they're f- of today. They bring back the sounds of Springsteen, of Petty, of Dylan, of 
the sounds of old. A lot of this stuff is recorded on vintage material, on vintage gear. He's huge on using old sounding things, old vintage gear. And it's cool to see a band come back so, like now, and be so relevant doing 70s and 80s sounding rock so well. It's nothing we've never heard before. It's just being done really well again. This was the third album by The War on Drugs. Shit, third album? Yeah, took them a while to break out. I actually saw them open for Destroyer when he toured Kaput. Okay. In a small... There was nobody there to see them. and That's two different styles of music. Looking back on it, yeah, because these guys have such a big sound and could really yeah play the shit out of a crowd but yeah at the time they were trying to get known and they opened for it and somebody who had who still plays the same tiny venues um i think that's kind of cool yeah i remember when that album came out i was working at saint bruno and johnny was actually talking to me about that album constantly and he was proposing it to people all the time and i remember hearing it and it was just like okay this is this is cool but why is everybody freaking out about it It was fresh to hear somebody do something old sounding but refreshing. I really think that's the only way to put it. Because man, people I, people were buying this album, like people were into it. People liked what they were hearing. It's a really it's a really good album for like I mean, soundscapes and just good sounds, good tone, uh, like I know I'm a bit of a nerd for that stuff, but like it's the the music on it, it just, just sounds so crisp. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say that, and I, but yeah, it's that good. Um, but continuing on the rock side of things, we spoke about innovative and it not being a really innovative year. We often talk about how, as we proceed through the decade, we lose touch with literal touch with music the physical copy and things that are tangible everything moves over to digital and we're all we're losing the you know well i'll tell you something about this man this guy worked hard to keep and continues to work hard to keep physical he, tangible media he cares about it he really cares about big it. time um jack white lazaretto his second solo album His solo career launched uh, in 2012 with Blunderbuss. The White Stripes were done. He takes off on his own. Um, Thank God the White Stripes were done. You want to know why? Because he could dig into his sound. Yeah, but the White Stripes are so good, though. Yeah, but I found it was getting stale towards the end. At the end of the White Stripes, he was starting to do what he did on his own. He started kind of breaking. But now I think... I mean... We're not going to deny it. He was the White Stripes. Oh, definitely. So, he wrote probably everything. Oh, he, yeah, he definitely did. He did all the instruments. He just played the goddamn drums. But it was cool that he was able to break out and actually focus on music. Because that guy, you know that he loved music. Because the way he's, he's caring for vinyl and the release of his music and the crazy things he does, he cares about his art for music. And now he could finally do that stuff on his own. Well, the thing you said about vinyl, this specific album was released. I think people were buying into it more because of what he promised you could do with this album. He really made this album an interactive experience for the listener. It wasn't just like we all like the thing that's great about a vinyl versus a CD. We've committed to CD because we started before vinyl came back. But... The thing that's great about records is you play one side, you flip to the other. So if you're not attentive in the listen, th like there's a bit of interaction that you need to, uh, that, that, that requires your attention to listen to a full album on LP. Mm -hmm. Correct. He's promising you so much more than just that. He plays it differently. 
he has certain grooves on the record that create infinite loops. So when the first side is done, it never ends, I believe. And the same for the second side. So if you don't get up to go change the record, huh. it loops until you finally change it. How the fuck did he figure that one out? I have no idea, but it's well done. There are holograms that are printed right outside of the label of the record that make an illusion of angels twirling as the record spins. That one's really cool because it looks like they're have you seen hologram. It? Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, and it's actually like it works. Looks really good. It's yeah, it's super, it's super well done. Um, he has his own record label, right? Last man, third man, third man records. Yeah, he does a lot of uh, live sessions with bands that he likes. Yeah, I know he recently had the Billie Eilish do it. I think today or. But the interesting thing about this, and I learned this from speaking with Johnny, was that he releases like you could sign up. Uh, to like this fan thing mm -hmm. on his on his uh, third man records and they send you yearly like every couple of months like a box and in it you have different special edition vinyls and you yeah, can discover yeah. music uh, that he puts together from him himself or from artists on his label or just different artists that's worked with him or something like that. Yeah, yeah, he does. He, he's a lot of... He, he's not... He's very hands-on with his label. But I find that super cool because it's not Absolutely. happening and he's letting you... He's giving you... Look, okay, yeah, you got to pay a price for the year, but he's giving you a bunch of music so you can get into it and still have the physicalness. Yep. If that's a word of music. He cares about the music. It's not just, hey, there's the new whatever that came out. Let me go on my phone and fucking click download. Or let me go do the snippets of it. Nah, I don't give a shit about it. No, here's yeah. the physical. Go listen to it. Oh, wow, I like this. Ah, you know what? It's Next. super cool, yeah. And he, what's really, what's really, uh, before this album came out, he did this, um, he broke a world record for world's fastest record sold. Between the time it was recorded to the time it was purchased. So what he did was he had a live performance that was tracked directly at Third Man. Somehow tracked directly to the pressing. So recorded, pressed, and, someone, and the first person in line was waiting to buy it. So three hours, 55 minutes and 21 seconds after the song was recorded... It was sold to someone. That was the world record of... Uh, yeah, on purpose? Just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was super well planned and super timed. And they had a filming crew and everything. And they processed the whole thing. The guy putting it on wax. It was really cool. And it, I think what's cool about it is that... We spoke a bit about this when it comes to hip-hop. A lot of people don't like to go back and do the homework. Find out who was the first to do something that somebody took after find find out whose style somebody's copying because in hip-hop it's very much you could agree it's very much about you're not supposed to copy you're supposed to be your own thing yeah you're you're it takes very little to be called a fraud whereas in this it was like it was extremely educational to show this is how they use this is how they press Record like he did that album with Neil Young in the fucking recording booth, that sounded awful, and in no way was it meant to be genius or a, or a masterpiece. It was just meant to show that this is the history of recording. It's cool. It's very cool. It's 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 great how much and how far this guy goes to just recycle knowledge people aren't interested anymore no it sucks man that's what's crazy about this is that it's just a it's like either the attention span or the i don't know what it could be but it's just like nobody cares anymore and i don't even think it's because we don't work in music i don't think it's that i think it's just people don't give a flying fuck and people can't listen to albums for a long time it's more of the 
okay, I'm done with it. It's been a week. Next. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you can't enjoy an album anymore. It's too bad. It's too bad, but it's just the way we're releasing stuff. Yeah. We talk about that a bit more as we go ahead in the decade and how some people did a little better. It's very depressing. It's It sucks, man. It's I find this year specifically, like, we're getting a bit off topic, but I do find that this year specifically, 2019, not 2014, so the literal year, um, there's a handful of things I could go back to only. Because everything sounds so much like... Rushed. Yeah. It's a problem. But you just gotta continue finding that love and... Yeah, that's exactly it. So... So Jack White tries to save the physical album. Yeah. And continues to. Yes. And now this other band that... Look, I have nothing good to say about this band, so... We're just going to have fun with this. Yeah. This other band thinks they could reinvent the digital album. And they decide, you don't have to go on the streaming platforms to hear us. Oh, man, this is... Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I know what You don't have to go to the store and buy it. We're just going to shove it on your phone. When you wake up tomorrow, it's just going to be on your phone. So, so Beyonce did the surprise. Yeah release they did the hack release they basically said well you know what i don't care if you listen to rap music classical music jazz music metal music punk music fucking audiobooks the fucking you know what gospel music we're gonna give you our album and you're gonna have no choice to have it yeah and we're talking about the greatest band on earth you too so in 2014, these guys thought it was all right to give you their music. Like, it's fine to give it to me for free. Yay. But putting it on your phone into you, like you open up your phone and the album is there on your iTunes. I physically opened my computer and went on my iTunes and the album was there on my 23,000 songs of hip hop. I had a U2 album there. Yep. Now, brave move. <laughs> But you pissed off you pissed off a lot of fucking people. Yeah. Yeah. And the biggest thing that really got to me with that was number one, you guys are you two. You guys are a big band already. Like you guys are a you, yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. people love you. Massive. You sell out stadiums, baseball fields, uh the whole entire world. You guys do tr- Three shows, four shows a night in certain places. But you you had to basically creep into my fucking iTunes and give me your album. You guys don't have to do that. It was really like a way of them to say like, you know, we don't even need the money. Everyone could have it. And I don't know, for me, like... A lot of people were upset. To be frank, I just... I, I wasn't upset. I don't give a fuck. Like, I don't care more for you. I don't think that was all. It was really nice of them. <laughs> Didn't help me from liking them more. It just... It's like... It gave me something else to do, which was go delete it. Yeah. It's fucking annoying. But to me, it's like... Why do you have to... Like... Why? Because they can but that's the that's the problem. <laughs> My whole thing with it is that in the digital age, I could choose what I want to go listen to. Yeah. So even putting the album onto my phone, you're not tricking me. I know I don't like you too, and I know I'm not gonna listen to it. I, I look. It's not that I don't like you too, because there's one song I really <laughs> like from you too, and it's the song in Mr. Deeds. Uh. I don't remember what it's called, but it's a fucking great song. Adam Sandler likes to really use U2 in his movies. So, really? like, I like those songs. But Is that a known thing? It's a known thing. He's a big U2 fan. And, like, that style of music from that era. But, like, it's just, like... What about the people that listen to metal music that have long hair? It's the same people. like that. 
it would be the same result as people that listen to hip hop music. It's 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 actually it's probably more violent. It's get the get this off like, and fuck off. And the reason why we're we're attacking this, well, not attacking this, but talking about it, is because we have the different like this decade is huge on the evolution of how you listen to your music. Yeah. So it's like here's a different way to do it by. <laughs> Well, that's what's interesting, though, is when you're covering the 2010s, it's like everyone's a bit in a panic. If you want to see it, if you want to see it a certain way, everyone's a bit in a panic. Somebody's doing a surprise album and people are lining up to the store to go buy it. But then the people that give you the date and tell you this is when my album will be, will be available, nobody's going to pick it up. No. And the- so I kind of understand their panic. But it's U two for Christ's sake. But it is U two, yeah, and and like, <laughs> and and the, a lot of people do that now is they do the 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 digital first and then the physical, well, so it guarantees some sales. But Steve, look at look at like hip hop this year and like. Two thousand nineteen, getting off track again. It's like, hip hop is coming out, and a month later, mm-hmm. the physical album is released. It's released. Yeah, well, that's in a lot of genres that's happened, and and I I speak about him a lot because I really respect the, the process in which he rolls his albums out but Justin Vernon of Bon Iver this year put out his I Come I and his album was scheduled for a date the pre-orders were up and he rolled the album out a week earlier through a Spotify playlist just to guarantee the sales so everyone's trying to find a way to say like okay where the money right now is in touring and merch now we've discussed who made this so big. It's the Watch the Thrones. It's the Kanye's. It's the oh. it's the, the those are the guys that kind of drove this tour machine, right? Going to Europe makes you a lot of money, probably also. But you gotta buy the tickets, yeah, at fucking crazy prices, and you gotta splurge on the merch. Now the other thing you also get with these tours is it's always overdone now, so you get a crazy show. For the price you pay, I guess, if that's what you like. But adding your album to my phone, uh, I don't know. It, it was. It, it's never happened since then. Because it was dumb. Yeah. If you ask me, it was dumb. Yeah. But it goes to show you how much power you have. And you're saying, were you two probably the biggest band in the world? That I'm able to do this. Yeah. What I, what I find about it is it, it almost makes your phone a streaming service. Nah, hold on. It almost makes your music library a streaming service, your personal music library, yeah. because they came in, put the album into your library, but I still have the choice to go hear whatever I want that's mine. So you're not... It's, it's about just as good as saying it's out on Spotify now. I got to yeah. go choose it. You're not forcing me to hear it. You're forcing me to own it. And forcing me to own it doesn't do much. No. Because there are plenty of albums I own that I bought out of my own will that I don't go choose. So I'm not going to choose yours. It also makes it not fun. It also ma- Yeah, it also makes it not fun. Like, let's go to the store, man. That's like... Let's... We're like that, though. Yeah, I know, and again, we're getting off topic, but... Do you think a lot of the people that... this is We're getting off topic this episode, as you could clearly see, we didn't have Any notes, for but it's fine, I like this. Malenko likes this, too. Trust me, he's told us that he loves it when we just talk shit. Go off. Do you think most of the listeners go out and buy? Probably not. Probably not. Um, you know what? I think it's 50-50 or 40-60. I'm happy that, that... I'm happy to say that the people that listen care... That I know. And we'll go get the digital releases on Spotify or whatever when they're out. I don't know how much time they spend with them. But I don't think... I, I, I think the buying thing, like... Like, we're really down in that last bit of people that still do this. The gutter. But 2014, man, we were still buying music. Like, if I look at my list right now that I have, and I keep going on, like... Man, I like right now on my list, there's about 20 to 30 albums that I highlighted to see what I want to talk about. But that's 30 albums I physically bought. And that's nowhere close, nowhere close 
to what I actually bought going back in the years before going you know like like it's crazy but it's it's not like that anymore this year I haven't bought a lot of albums being honest this year I've slowed down I'm actually buying things that don't like limited edition stuff I'm buying the new I'm keeping up with new releases but I'm not like I've bought a couple new releases I still haven't even opened checked into yet because well we're doing this so we recap the years but there were years where I would go deep down like a rabbit hole of like discovering old music and just splurging on that. I really think I've hit I've hit a wall now. <laughs> I think I think I've bought more music on Discox and Amazon than physically gone into a store. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even in the mood sometimes to go look for new artists anymore. I just like to keep, like... Yeah. Like, I've been listening to the same shit. I mean, good shit, but... Anyways, we got off topic. What's next? I think we could take a break. Yeah, I like this Belgium moon. Back. We are back from break. Back. You just plugged in, uh, not a sponsor, but a brand. I did? I'm not taking it out. Okay, keep it in. Um, Next on the list. We can't get in much trouble for that, I don't think. For what? For you having mentioned the brand. I like to like fucking drink. That's, it's a nice What smooth, do you like to drink? I like, like, I like to drink Belgian Moon beer. Somebody copied our logo and our podcast name. In Siberia? No, in uh, Malaysia. and the, And literally... Writing out to Anchor, who distributes our podcast, there is fuck all we could do about it. Really? Yeah. Okay, but first of all, are they talking about what we're talking about? I don't know what they're talking about. Uh, so, to all the fans out there that listen to us on a weekly basis, daily basis, yearly basis, whatever it is, if you know how to talk Malaysian... Please contact us. Well, we, I think I'll just write them a cease and desist. Yeah, can you? Send them some stickers. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I gotta fucking pay for their podcast too now? Not a chance. No, I would tell them to stop using the logo. That's crazy. Or hey. severe consequences will follow. But I'm not going to give away my game plan on the fucking on the show. Uh, Way so, off topic, huh? Yeah. So, uh, Vince Staples. The, the not official beginning, but the more amazing rollout to... Could the, we call it a debut body of work well official body of work uh, so before hell can't wait or can wait sorry hell can wait by vince staples the ep there was vince staples mixtapes so there was shine 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 cold chain one shine cold chain two he did some collab with someone uh but the first time we officially, I officially heard him and really got into him was on Earl Sweatshirt's 2013 Doris. Doris album, where he had the verse, which blew my fucking... Didn't he have the chorus on Hive? No, on Hive he had the verse, the last verse on Hive, okay? So... Yeah, they shared the chorus. Yeah, so 2013 was the official... official First time I heard Vince Staples on Hive, and I was blown away. Who the fuck is Vince Staples? And then I went to check out uh, Shine Cold Chain, the first one. And I was like, okay, this guy has something. This is cool. It was very, but it was, again, it was, it was dark and indie. Tyler, the creator, Earl Sweatshirt. It had a lot of those golf wing vibes. Yeah, but very dark. And then he comes out with Hell Can't Wait. 
in 2014 and I was like there's more to this guy Def Jam puts it out too yeah Def Jam puts it out uh, the songs are just like it sounded west coast but it had more to it like it was more lyrical mm -hmm. and it had that catch those catchy hooks to it too but it was just an EP but a fucking well done EP to the point where we, we're talking about it so I'm not going to put it in my top five mm -hmm. but it is in a top five spoken about and I remember there, yeah. we ordered it on Amazon you ordered it for me and it, there was a physical release of it and I'm very excited that I own it Yeah. but it goes to show that when you're building up to your music you're building up to your brand you're building up to who you are you put out good bodies of work leading up to your first debut Summertime 06 that comes out the year later mm -hmm. we spoke about that made our top 100 yeah you're coming out with something that when you go back a couple of years later, five years later, you're just like, whoa, this was actually really good. I still play songs from that album. I could still listen. That album? Are you talking about Hell Can't Wait or it's Summertime? Hell Can't Wait. That album is my bus ride home from the metro to to home. And how fucking good is it? Man. Like, he stemmed the way... He, we know Vince Staples to start off with Earl Sweatshirt... And be part of that camp, not an official member, mm -hmm. but to have an extended member. You know what it. I mean? Yeah. And then just totally sounds different on his first EP and totally goes into his own lane mm. and always keeps bringing you a different sound to his music and, and the only best way possible, like difference from album to album. If I made sense when I said that, yeah, for sure. But I want to touch on his albums, uh, not summertime because we did it for yeah. the for the day for the uh, top one hundred, but a later album. My experience with this album, because you you said your version of getting into it, I had also heard him off Doris from Merle, and um, I wasn't more excited than that. I was I was down to hear more, but I didn't. I wasn't rushing for the mixtapes, like you said. And when Hell Can't Wait came out, I heard it a couple of times, and I didn't like it. I didn't think it was that good. I thought it was very uh, one and the same with what everyone else was doing. So I, you know, stuck to Doors, stuck to other albums that were coming out of that sound at the time. And when Summertime came out, it. Like you said, this EP was really a stepping stone into summertime and now holds up even better knowing mm -hmm. or hearing the transition. And I had told you that this was a rapper that I could, you know, I didn't care much about after this EP until summertime. Today, I know what you feel about Kendrick. And we haven't been talking about Kendrick. We spoke about him so much in the previous season. He'll come up again for sure. But I know what you feel about Kendrick. That's maybe not to that extent because you listening to hip-hop exclusively, you have a, a, a bigger attachment to these artists. But in hip-hop today, Vince Staples is my Kendrick to you. And I totally understand. And he's one of the most important artists of this decade for hip-hop. One of the most important ones. Yeah. By yeah, far. Absolutely. And to me, he's better than the ASAP Rockies, the ASAP Fergs, the Earl Sweatshirts. I'm sorry, but school like this, Q's. the Schoolboy Q's, this guy has, could make music and can make music last. Like it's, it stands that, the test of time. That's lacking right now in hip hop. Oh, fuck, for sure. This guy's bodies of work. And they're, and like you said, they're never the same twice, but they stand the test of time. It makes it, and the artwork is amazing. He does a lot of nice artwork, yeah. The artwork on this album was crazy. It didn't seem like a hip hop. I was going into a hip hop. And hell can't wait. Yeah, 
Like it seems can so... wait. Hell can't or can wait. Hell can wait. I always call the album Hell Can't Wait. I do that too, though. It's just probably like a like because Hell Can Wait, Hell Can't Wait. Hell Can Wait. Yeah, it's Hell Can Wait. So basically, like go fuck yourself. Hell, you're gonna wait for me. It's fucking oh. So what's next on our list? Because of Vince Staples. We are blowing through this episode, man. Wu Tang come back with oh, an album. Oh fuck! So as you already know, I like to. I'm a big fan of Wu Tang, huge fan of Wu Tang. Pause. Um, episode three, season one. I started rapping lyrics, my favorite lyrics. I got really into my love for for Wu Tang, and it was super cool that they decided to put a to put out a, a new album in 2014, A Better Tomorrow, Wu-Tang, A Better Tomorrow, which I thought, you know what, fuck it. You know what, they're, they're all reconciling, they're all friends. Let's see what they could do. But before the album dropped, I remember reading that You God was pissed with RZA, <laughs> Raekwon was... I don't know, in a bad mood somewhere. And the album to me just got lesser and lesser interesting and the hype just went away and I was just like, don't put it out, put it out, just fucking, I don't know. And the single came out and I can't remember the name of the single, but I was, I liked the single. It, yeah, it the, sounded like they didn't miss a step. No. It did like they didn't miss a step. Like there was some good bars. They were they were rapping like they rapped. But then the album came out. The cover, great cover. If, if the the cover was awesome, I was really happy with what they did with the cover. Now second single comes out. I was like, Meh, okay, doesn't sound like the first single. Let's see, let's see what's next. So I put on the album. I'm excited. I buy it the first day. Everybody's texting me. Steven, did you hear the new Wu-Tang up? Actually, hold up, hold up, hold up. I have a different... I, I remember this differently. From me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Go. remember this differently. I remember us working overnights at the shop. And that's the first time we put it on. And I was busting your chops that it was so bad. And you were pissed that it was so bad. When we worked so the overnights? So you took it off. We had, we had to do an overnight when this released. And we put it on. And when we put it on, it started okay. And then as it got bad, I was telling you how bad it was. You got upset. You took it off. But not because you thought it was bad, but because I was busting chops. Really? That's how I remember it. I could be wrong, but that's how I remember it. Because okay. there were certain songs, like the country songs that pulled up, that I was like, I was looking at you and I was waiting for you to, for you to like, be upset or not like it or whatever and you held it together but okay I remember I, differently. Know, I, remember. I remember my phone blowing up saying which I don't understand why every time something happens with Wu-Tang my fucking phone vibrates and it's like Steven did you hear this listen I can tell you why but hold on tell me why after to the people that don't text me when something happens with Wu-Tang I know before you know number one and number two, I don't need to have a text message saying, can you please listen to this? I've listened to it already. I know what's going on. But you continue? With? What you were saying about, you know why I get the text messages? Oh yeah, what's that you got on your arm? It's a fucking tattoo, but I wouldn't have a tattoo on my arm if I didn't know what was going on, right? No, I think it's just people that want to, like, they want your take on it. And... My take people on people want your take on things. We do we do this and people listen to it. My take on this album was it did not need to come out. It didn't need to come out. I'd rather keep getting Did a diagrams need to come out? No. Did Iron Flag need to come out? Wu Tang ended the best closing chapter of Wu Tang is the W. And the last thing that came out a couple of years ago, the DJ Mathematics. But aren't those like... Yeah, it's, it's, but it's like more of like a... 
DJ Mathematic presents. So I thought the last thing they did was was actually pretty cool with the Red Men featuring and and all that stuff. But anyways, but let's but being honest as as two tank fans, eight diagram like eight diagrams was kind of good, and you got to see them like talk about how they all dealt with dirty passing and things like that. Like it, it was kind of like a let's just do this for fun. Let's get back together. Yeah, get the old band back together. It doesn't need to go past eight diagrams. That's no, for certain. For and sure. Iron Flags was even Iron Flag could disappear. Let's say yeah. In their discography, the W was their last great album. I I, I think the uh, being the authentic uh, being authentic authentic yeah. whatever that yeah fuck I can't talk. It's like once there is like if you're not all in the studio making an album. And. It's, I'm going to go relay this verse. I'm going to go do this. Oh, I'm ar arguing with this person because I don't like the, the direction of the album. Or I don't like doing this because that person is here. It throws away so much. It, it doesn't feel authentic to me. I love that you say that because at the midpoint of the decade where we are now in 2014, we go back to the war on drugs and not being able to describe what it is that makes this album great. Rock albums... The albums like the Kurt Viles, the albums like the Nationals that I keep bringing up in the top fives, we talk about less like this. You need to all be there to do that. Oh, for sure. And hip hop lost that. It's that's done. Pro produ the hip hop producer, I don't wanna insult anybody if you're making music of your own. The term producer in hip hop. Is not the term producer in music. No. You made a beat. Yeah. And files get sent around. Yeah. And who sent a verse and who sent it? It get it's so it's great that people are able to put together really good albums doing this. But you're absolutely right. And it's not just with Wu Tang man. I'm sure that a later album we're gonna talk about, something like Amigos Culture. They were not always there together. It doesn't require it. But they may have been, or maybe more than the Wu Tang guys, but that's the thing with making music as a band is you're most likely always with, and probably not even always either when somebody's doing tracks or whatever. But what you say is like so. It's so true about hip hop mm -hmm. that any featured track, as good as it sounds as the final product, the verse of this guy on, on the other guy's song, the ma the the magic that's that comes from the studio is gone. You know that when you hear Thirty Six Chambers, you hear it, it was recorded in a place together. Yeah, and it's cool that they put this out, but it didn't need to happen. But while I'm listening to the album, like I, when I hear Method Man, I get excited. I'm happy. When I hear Ghostface, I'm happy. When I hear Raekwon, I'm happy. When I'm here, these guys, and there's and and I'm listening to my favorite rappers rapping. I, it feels great to me. But yeah, are you doing it just to do it, or are you doing it because? But it must also be bittersweet for you because you tell yourself like, I have to wait years for a Method Man album. Yeah, I have to wait years for another Rake one album. Yeah. What the fuck are they doing doing this? Yeah, when their music on their own isn't bad. No, but look at that year. Like Ghostface put out another album, thirty six seasons that year. Yes, yeah, and it was fucking great. It was good. It was a good album. I thought it was amazing. I thought I was like, fuck, another concept album by Ghostface, and mm. it sounds great. Yep. So when these albums came out in the same year, what are they focusing on? What's Ghostface focusing on? That Wu Tag album, or is he really focusing on That's his it. projects? You know what I mean? And Raekwon put out an album, uh, like like they weren't focusing on that album. They wanted to like really do things on their own, and sometimes it sounds better. Mm -hmm. Like I re like sometimes I rather have the Raekwon featuring Method Man and Inspector Deck than 
the Wu-Tang Better Tomorrow. But Wu-Tang Better Tomorrow is a RZA album featuring Wu-Tang members. This was his way of doing something for him. Yeah. The other guys didn't need it. No. They don't need it. And I don't think they were in a good space either for them to really focus no, on it. No, clearly like not, that. for sure. You know, everybody's touring. There's a lot of members in the group and stuff like that. So, like, for the future of them, I think after all these documentaries coming out and uh, the TV show and stuff like that, I think if they do another one... This was the last one, right? Was there something after this? No. This was but was, there was the Mathematics... Uh, DJ Mathematics came out with Presents... Wu-Tang, something, something. Fuck, I can't I'm remember. I'm on that. I don't remember that. Yeah, it came out maybe like two, three years ago and it was better than this. Like it was, it was way better. better than this. Like there was Red Man. Yeah, this was bad, man. So it's like, am I going to ever go back to this album? Probably not. Worst album? For them? Yeah. It's, yeah. Because 8 Diagrams has some really strong points. Yeah, 8 Diagrams is alright. But again, there's still... There's st- like If you take away... Like when you go into this album and you just want to listen to your favorite rappers rap, it's cool mm-hmm. to hear them at in 2014. Because you're waiting for the Inspector Deck album. You're waiting for the Meta Man, the Master Kill albums. You're waiting for all these albums. But then you go in here and you're like, okay, this is cool. When you want to hear just them as MCs. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it has to be their worst one, and I'm happy I didn't see them on tour for this. So uh, rank the Wu Tang albums because this is the last one. Never for now, for now, because you. for now, because I'm I have a feeling they're gonna come back out with something else in the near future. Was it Once Upon a Time in Shaolin? No, that's the one that uh, Shkreli has, right? What? Martin Shkreli has this one. Once the Upon a Time in Shaolin. Yeah, but that's bullshit because they weren't together. They didn't know that that was seems they're never together. <laughs> that was the fucking guy, one of the um, uh, Cliff uh, something guy took. Hey, can you give me a a, a verse for this song? Can you yeah, give me a verse? yeah, 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 yeah. Because they, they they don't agree with that. Yeah. Meta Man came out. Yeah, they all hate it. Yeah, so that can come out, and I won't listen to it unless they all come out and say, yeah, yeah, yeah go listen to it, which is never gonna happen. All right, uh, so enter the Wu Tang, number Wu-Tang one, forever, the W. Iron Flag, Eight Diagrams, A Better Tomorrow. Yes. Rank. So it's 36 Chambers. Number one. Forever. Number you know two. the way I feel about forever. Yeah. Iron Flag. Ooh. W. Really? Eight Diagrams, A Better Tomorrow. I know what you're looking you at. You throw me. shade at the W, man. I, I just... I, I don't know. I like my Iron. ranking. Yeah. Enter the Wu Tang number one, the W number two. Yeah, I don't get the the, the U and the W and forever, but anyways. Wu Tang forever number three. Eight diagrams four iron flags five. Jesus. And the other one six. Wu Tang's for the children. <laughs> uh. 2014, man. It was a pretty standard, uh, just a just a uh, just a regular year, man. It was there was there was a lot of mixtapes coming out in 2014, which is crazy. Gucci Mane put out five mixtapes. That's good. <laughs> and also, he got convicted uh, gun possession or something like that, and was sentenced to three years in prison, hmm. which changed his life. We got to go through our five each. I'm going to kick it off. Caribou, Our Love. Great electronic album. One of my favorites of the decade. In our 2010 episode, you said six albums, so I threw Caribou Swim as my sixth. This is the best Caribou album. Our Love. Number two, Magda Marco Salad Days. Oh, more good uh, guitar music. I like that the 2010s had like a splurge of good guitar players again. It was good to see musicians getting acknowledged by. I know now he does a lot of work with Fender guitars and stuff, and like they're noticing this up and coming 
um, wave of young musicians that are trying to bring it back. And, and Mac DeMarco does pretty well uh, commercially too. So Salad Days, my favorite Mac DeMarco album from this year. Three, I'd go FKA Twigs LP1. This was an album I didn't love right away. It took me a little while. I forced it onto myself a bit. And, and now today it's a, a fantastic record. Her new album comes out tomorrow, so I'm going to go pick that up. The songs that came out so far sound like it might be better than the first one. So looking forward to hearing that in full. Tomorrow morning, Spoon, They Want My Soul. Spoon, Return to Form? No, they, they've always, they, Spoon was always Spoon, but this was a good um, album following, I wouldn't call it a disappointing one, but one that didn't punch as much in uh, Transference in 2010. They Want My Soul by Spoon. And last, but certainly not least, Sharon Van Eden, Are We There? Good singer-songwriter stuff. You might know her from a show called The OA that sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Go for it. That's your five. So my five, uh, besides the G-Unit comeback... Uh, and all their EPs that they came out with. I am going to go with number one, Step Brothers, uh, Lord Steppington. Step Brothers is Alchemist and Evidence. Fantastic, fantastic body of work. Alchemist as a producer with Evidence together is just, to me, is just crazy. Um, so please go check that out if you want some really good underground hip-hop, but also very weird... The beats are very out there. Uh, you ne- definitely need to check out Step Brothers. Um, number two on my list. I'm gonna leave that one for the end. Number two, uh, Stally, Ohio. That was good. That was good. That fell very much under the radar. Yeah. Right as it came out. Yeah, he was signed to MMG, Maybach Music Group, with Ricky Rose. Uh, that definitely flew under the radar because it took a while for it to come out. It was like two years in the making. Yeah. Nothing ever after that, though, eh? Big? No. This was probably the only... Like, he came out with mixtapes under MMG, but this was his, I think, only solo album Hmm. with MMG. It's too bad. Yeah. I don't think Rick Ross... Like, I don't even blame Rick Ross, but I don't even think they paid too much attention to Staley. He was like the underdog, the underrated guy part of the group if i could just throw something in i don't know if you put out something this year that you're gonna bring up but he also didn't stick around and expect he stood out from the pack yeah and wale did too yeah but wale seems to always try and catch a ride from them rastali just i think figured out that he doesn't belong there yeah but this was a good project and he had he kept his original sound yeah it was good Ohio was and good. don't and the last song on the album was featuring de la soul mm-hmm. uh something rugs it's the last song on the album it's really good it's a it's a really well done album the yeah, production is good uh the featurings are good good job bringing that up the the hooks are good uh it was really well done album uh big crit catalactica oh yeah that was good that was good that was like life from the underground came out it was good okay it, it depends it was very long and lengthy too but he was also coming off two very very strong quote-unquote mixtape albums yeah so like he had like a the bar was high already mm-hmm. but when this came out i was like finally i think it was kind of like the the hype cooled down and he was yeah. able to do yeah but again another artist that continues to put out music pretty much regularly yeah every two three years it just doesn't punch though no i don't but i don't think like at this time people wanted to hear this yeah now nobody wants to hear this it sucks it sucks, and I, I remember going to the show that was at Underworld. Mm-hmm. I went to see the show with Danny, and I met him after the show. Mm-hmm. Really cool dude, but this show was good. This was fun. Mm-hmm. 
this was a really fun show and it was for this tour so he played a lot of songs from the album it was I'm, I'm really happy with this album the stuff after this uh, I've listened to uh, am I gonna listen to again eh, maybe once or twice but this was basically his his last best album mm-hmm. and it's very soulful it brings you back that outcast sound too he used a lot of that outcast yeah, he like did, he did. elements in this album The Catalactica, the uh, that's what it's called, right? Catalactica, yeah. The theme reminded me of Stankonia theme. Yeah. Felt like he was kind of trying to do that. Yeah, but he did it well. Uh, number four, Prime. Mm-hmm. That was good. the five nine in the J premiere. Now, I'm a huge, 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 huge Gangstar fan. And DJ Premier is a producer. I like his top three producers all time for me. So hearing him with something Royce like 45? <laughs> Royce 45 is, I was like, like they did songs together on Royce's albums before. Mm-hmm. But for them to put out an album together, I was blown away by this. Like this was like extended roots from what Gangstar sounded like mm-hmm. with just the like with Royce to Five Nine being very different from Guru and just like in 2014 was so refreshing to hear and they put out a second one yeah two years ago a year ago and it just keeps getting better yeah and anything over DJ Premier is just incredible to me so yeah and Gangster put out an album this year. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. We'll talk about that later I heard good on. Thing. Gabu said good things. Yeah. Uh, so my last one, unfortunately, is not... Hip-hop. F- I'm kidding. It is hip-hop, but it's not... I was going to say it's unfortunately not Future's Honest, which I really, really, really like. Future's Honest was good. Which was a great first album, mm-hmm. official album. Yeah. Uh, it's... Freddie Gibbs and Madlib, Pinata. Mm-hmm. When this first came out, people were just going, like, nuts, nuts, nuts. The featureings are super good: Danny Brown, Scarface, Raekwon, uh, Earl Sweatshirt, a couple of a couple of other people. But to me, what really sticks out of this album that makes it great is Freddie Gibbs on a Mad Lib beat. And the reason being is because what he's done before this... Mm-hmm. You wouldn't you wouldn't expect it. You wouldn't expect it. Like, I'm used to the Freddie Gibbs with the those hardcore beats or the boom-bap beats or the very underground, in-your-face type beats, yeah. violent beats. Yeah. Gangster rap beats. Mm-hmm. And to have somebody like Madlib where your beats are very weird. Like there's loops. It's like you don't... Sometimes you have no idea what's going on in the song. With the tone of voice that Freddie Gibbs had makes this... Yeah. You can also see Madlib in this album starting to... Well, he's done it before, but... It's it's a it's a more it's an easier listen than a mad villainy, right? Yeah. So he's more uh, accessible. Yeah. And so. it, I thought Freddie Gibbs was amazing before this. Yeah. But it just pushed the bar higher, to me. Mm-hmm. And at some points, sometimes people really hold this album to the next level. And sometimes I don't get it. Because I've always liked Freddie Gibbs, so I know what his he's capable of lyrically. Yeah. But then I do get it. And I remember we've gone back and forth where I said, Steve, there's better things that year than this album. There were. There were. But some now when I go back, I understand why. I really understand why. And they put out an, an album this year. Yeah. Bandana. But It's two different albums, so we can't really compare. Mm-hmm. But this album really is a classic. It's 
it's Freddie Gibbs on the next level, for sure. And that's my my top five. There's there's a lot that came out that year too, like the Schoolboy Q oxymoron. Uh, Mob Deep released an album. Fifty Cent released an album. Absol an album. Cameron started the first of the months. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot. So we're halfway through the decade, and uh, we left an extremely important album out of this episode. Well, this is the time for it. D'Angelo's Black Messiah. Surprise release? Short notice release? Short notice. Made a lot of noise. Yeah. Right around the holiday time. Uh, it was Black Friday, I think. Yeah? It was fucking freezing. It was cold. It was right in the like right in the midst of yeah. the, the, the peak of Black Lives Matter yeah. and Yeah. You said about the Pharaoh Monch album last week. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, Maybe Black three. Excellence at yeah. its finest. Black Excellence at its finest. We could say the same here. Yeah. Um and and this album for me is musically sounding better than Voodoo. Better than his two thousand album. See the how the gap between albums? Yeah, yeah. He disappears and he Yeah. This sounds better than Voodoo? To me. But you but you also gotta take this into consideration. I heard Voodoo after the fact. Yeah. I heard so this as it came me out. Too. So But this, there's something about this album. I really like it. But the recording of it. I don't know if it was meant to be like yeah, it was a, like a live album, but sometimes the vocals... That's just the equipment they're using. It, it, it It's the vibe of it. Yeah, because at some times I'm just like, man, put the fucking volume up on the on the, on the the vocals because the vocals could be so crispy. Very lo-fi. And very, yeah, uh, and, and you see, that's where when you compare it to Voodoo, Voodoo was just like way more like... It was a little cleaner, a little tighter. Yeah. I see that. But I think this album was made on purpose yeah, to sound rough. like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's, it's a great album to put out at that time. Very politically driven. Yeah. And D'Angelo is just... I feel bad for missing it now. We could have... Uh... That's a good way to end off the episode, to be honest with you. Well, I was going to do something else before we ended off. Go. We're halfway through the decade. 2010... 11, 12, 13, 14. That's five years. What's your top five halfway through? Fuck. Everything we spoke about. Everything. My have, top, top five. five? I've got Bon Iver, Bon Iver from 2011. Yeah, for sure. Frank Ocean's Channel Orange from 2012. Yeah. Kanye's Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy 2010. The Nationals High Violet. 2010 and Vampire Weekend Modern Vampires of the City from 2013 okay watch me go Kendrick Lamar Section 80 Kendrick Lamar Good Kid Mad City Schoolboy Q Habits and Contradictions Absol Control System get the fuck out of here <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so keep me those three which three Kendrick Section 80 Kendrick, Good Kid, Mad City, Schoolboy Q, Habits and Contradictions, uh, Give Me YG, My Crazy Life, and Run the Jewels too. Good. Cool? That's good. You're lucky you gave me that look because I wouldn't have taken out Absolute Control System. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's my top five for the year. It's interesting... That you would put habits there, but you wouldn't put it in the top 100 of all time. Because we haven't spoken about blank face yet. All right. That's 2014. 2014. Thanks for listening. You know the drill. Next week, we move into the second half of the decade with 2015. And, and uh, uh, once you open up your phone or your iTunes, you will have our episodes there. Already downloaded, installed. For free. We set them as your alarm clock yep. on Thursday mornings. Thanks for the support, people. See you next week. Yep.